W233AH Monticello. Good evening. Welcome to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. In for Patricio Rabio and heading into a weekend that I hope you're going to enjoy. Coming up tonight, we will hear from Patricio Rabio because uh, tomorrow is the latest in the series of Catskill Talks. Photographer Jeffrey Hutchinson will be live at our radio station tomorrow giving a talk that you can attend. Patricio will tell us more about it. Coming up in the second half of the show. But first, let's start with uh, the latest news from out Ellenville Way. Chris Rowley of the Shangang Journal, who has reporting for us from the Ellenville School Board meeting that happened on Tuesday. Chris, welcome back to the program. Hey, great to be with you guys. So, uh, basically, okay, this this week, uh, now everyone pay attention, this is serious. Uh, it's not our favorite kind of subject, but it's, it's a serious one, which is essentially um, the literacy gap. That is the, the problem with uh, the younger kids, especially those who are uh, out of school a lot during COVID with reading. Um, so anyway, on Tuesday at the Ellenville School Board meeting, um, there was a good presentation by the elementary school principal, uh, Nicole A., and um, a specialist in reading uh, named Rebecca Mayer. Um, and uh, they hit some fairly scary things, uh, but the primary thing is if kids don't really get it when they're between, you know, five and six, seven uh, it gets harder and harder for them to learn to read. And if they don't, if they, if they can't read by the time they're 10, they may never. And that issue, it dooms them. I mean, if you aren't reading, reading to grade level by 9 or 10, the future is not looking good. Um, now, that, that, I say that, but then there are people who, who learn to read as adults, and it does come back and does come to them, but... The, this this presentation was about the young was about the young ones. Anyway, um, and they began by discussing the brain, which of course is where it all begins, and noted that reading is not a natural thing. We don't wake up, you know, with any idea about reading bunches of symbols. Uh, we have to learn how, and it involves multiple parts of the brain learning to work together. So it it takes a while for people to, to for kids to to get this. Um, Mayer actually made some interesting points about the language, our language, well, this one, anyway. The English language is built on 44 sounds called phonemes, and she observed that many students are coming from homes where there's not a lot of vocabulary. There's not that much, uh, not that much variety in what they're hearing. So that lack of vocabulary translates into a struggle with some of those phonemes. Anyway, so teachers have to work on that kind of thing. Um, and then they, they, they also, the crucial point, and this, this is what, where they're making a difference. This is where they've changed things up and, it's, and they're having success. The crucial thing in, in the school classroom is to break the class up into groups as this is going along, as the teacher recognizes that 
you know, those three kids that can already read. All right, give them stuff that's more challenging and that sort of thing. And then these people uh, will break into two groups and we'll work with them on moving along. And those groups, that little group at the back there, we got to really work hard with them because they're having a hard time with this. And it's that kind of breaking it up now. Uh, one of the uh, board members, uh, who actually is, a, is an excellent board member, John Burns, uh, who does speak up a lot, raised the dreaded, is this streaming question? No, it wasn't streaming. Sorry, I'm using the wrong word here. Tracking. Yeah, streaming where I come from, but here it's tracking. And, uh, you know, that's a toxic term, and it's not tracking, but it is this idea of breaking the class into smaller groups and working with them at their particular level where they are at at that moment and then you know the kids who, who need it can stay that extra hour or and also come that earlier hour they've got this program called a uh, longer day so kids come in earlier for an hour and they stay for another extra hour at the end um, that seems to have a kind of a really, almost a magical effect. There's 65 uh, students came in for this, and all 65 showed progress, and almost all of them, I think, reached grade level in reading. Is this a program that was instituted in any way to help kids catch up after uh, what happened with COVID, or is this just another thing where, you know, parents don't have a lot of time and they, they both have to work, so, you know, the kids need to stay at school a little longer? Uh, I think it's both. I think I think it was you know the the idea for it came out of the the problem that everyone's having with kids at the at the older grades who didn't get reading down during COVID and are now struggling. And then the other side of it was yes, as you say, uh, just another thought to help parents, help people, um, you know, make progress in a crucial crucial area. So uh, and you know and. 65 out of 65 showing progress or actually achieving uh, the goal uh, really impressed uh, the uh, president of the board, a film attrition, um, whose wife's the teacher, uh, and he, he, he said, you know, it was, it was almost unheard of, and uh, they, the board congratulated um, the, the two educators on their success with this. Um, you know, whatever gets them reading and reading at grade level by the time they're, you know, eight or nine uh, is is important. And just to kick it all off, at the beginning of the meeting, uh, Gabby Singer, who's an NAACP activist um, in the village, uh, came in and she petitioned the board uh, to, uh, to to move the focus on things like this to the middle school to, to to the junior high junior high is what they have at Ellenville um, to, because there are students there who aren't reading and they you know uh, there's a the danger that they'll just be lost and if they're lost to that at that level getting them on the track will be ever 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 harder and maybe they won't graduate maybe they'll drop out of school you know trying to avoid that kind of thing is 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 what a lot of schools are about these days so anyway, so she made that point, and actually, and John Burns said, uh, kind of, you know, built back on it because he he said, you know, he had taught middle school for twenty years, and a lot of those kids couldn't read, um, you know, so that must have been kind of a nightmare for him. But you know, there you go. Uh, the NAEP, that's the National Assessment of Education Progress, showed that um, more than sixty percent of fourth graders in American schools are not proficient. Proficient readers. 
which is a scary thought. So, well, you know, the, this sort of effort is coming. I imagine it will come to all schools, but Elmerville, you know, is really getting in there early because they have a problem. Thanks for giving us that update from the school board meeting on Tuesday, uh, what they're looking at there in Ellenville. And then I guess, you know, uh, along with such classic questions as does club soda remove stains, we've got the question, can coffee clean up Ellenville? Oh, very clever. Uh, Yeah, uh, coffee, that's the uh, citizens of forward-facing Ellenville, which is a group that began uh, three or four years ago and has really relied mostly on uh, the the younger people that have been coming into Ellenville uh, of basically since COVID, through COVID, and and continuing. Uh, it has that group has well more than 100 members now. Um, they want to do another um, village cleanup. Uh, they'll gather with trash bags and work over a particular part of the village and pull everything out they find that has been tossed there for. You know, no good reason. So they're going to remove the stains. And uh, I guess every village uh, needs this sort of organization because for whatever reason, we have too many people who are just casual about tossing those soda bottles, <laughs> those, those uh, you know, whatever happens to be, the wrappers, candy wrappers. Anyway, uh, so that was going to happen, and that will be organized for September the 30th. Uh, if uh, anyone is in the village and listening, that's the day to, to think about this. You can always join in. Um, and what they, they what's the name? Victoria Messner came to the town board last night uh, to ask if that was okay and if they could use, uh, take take their stuff to the uh, the transfer station. Um, uh, and, you know, that, that will be agreed, of course. Uh, if it's raining terribly on September the 30th, the rain date will be the next Saturday after that, which I think is October the 9th, but check your calendar. And it will start probably around 10 a.m. Uh, and go until, I don't know, um, something, I don't know where, you know, one, uh, 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 one o'clock, something like that. I think it was 11 to 1 last year. This year might start a little earlier. But um, for that, you know, for that I would check, just uh, with the town or with uh, the coffee on their website uh, and uh, just get the time down straight. All right. You were talking about the Coalition of Forward Facing Ellenville. Uh, they're on Facebook. They're also at coffeeellenville.org. So that's C-O, two F's, two E's, two L's, E-N-V-I-L-L-E dot org. Coffeeellenville.org. And then, of course, the Sean Gunk Journal is online at SeanGunkJournal.com. We've been talking to Chris Rowley, getting the latest news from Ellenville. Chris, thank you for this update and the best of weekends ahead of you. Uh, okay, yeah. Thank you very much, Jason, and uh, everybody have a great time. Yep, it's going to be good weather, I think. Okay. I hope so. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll check in with the folks from Kippen's Gallery, and then also we'll hear about the Catskill Talks that's happening tomorrow here at Radio Catskill. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hey, this is Thane Peterson, host of The Living Jazz Show. I wanted to let everybody know that this Saturday, my guest on the show is going to be Sarah Elizabeth Charles, a talented young singer who jazz critics describe as a rising star. 
So join me this Saturday from noon to two for Living Jazz with Sarah Elizabeth Charles. Support for Radio Catskill comes from 52 and Vine, a wine and spirits shop in Jeffersonville featuring local, national, and eclectic vintners and distillers. 52andvine.com. From the Upper Delaware Welcome Center at the Narrowsburg Union, featuring information about regional attractions and activities, along with products by the region's artists, artisans, makers, and craftsmen at Catskills Curated. NarrowsburgUnion.com. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected to Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. And just want to give you a reminder that, yeah, there is a severe thunderstorm watch that's uh, still in effect until 11 o'clock tonight in our listening area. But there's also this flood advisory. Uh, this is shorter term. This is going until 8 this evening. And they predict impacts of minor flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas. This includes uh, Sullivan and Pike County for this flood advisory. Uh, potential minor flooding caused by excessive rainfall. Uh, and that's what they're expecting. So that's what we're letting you know about uh, before we get back into the program. And for the program right now, we're going to uh, go up to Walton, New York, at least conceptually, because there's a, a, a gallery there, Kippen's Gallery. But I'll let Valerie Mancy tell you uh, who she spoke to from that organization on a recent episode of Radio Chatskill, which airs every Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Good morning to you, Kenneth Pietro Bono and Natalie Zane. Welcome to WJFF. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I'm excited to hear about your relatively new gallery. You celebrated a one-year anniversary in July, I believe, and your gallery is called... You want to do it, Kenneth? Yeah, okay. Kippins. Kippins. Yes. K-I-P... N-Z. N-Z. Mm-hmm. Kip N's. Correct. It is a mix of our initials. Okay. And uh, funnily, we never thought we would be on a radio station. And the reason we did not do K-P-N-Z is because we sounded like a radio station. So, yes, you did. <laughs> so we put in an I. Yeah. We're okay. not a competition of yours. Okay, good. That, that puts me at ease. Yes. yes. And your gallery is in Walton? Yes. On the main thoroughfare? Yes. Uh, Delaware Street. One Friday. We're on the second floor, though, so sometimes if you're coming along the main street, you don't immediately see it. If you're on Townsend and you look up, that's where we are. Okay. So you've had a couple of shows already, and you have an upcoming show begin and opening beginning on September 9th? Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about the show and the artist? Sure. Here, we also brought a little wand so we can signal to each other who's we're so passing it So I see that you just grabbed it. Oh, so I was going to pass okay. it to you, you, Natalie, or do you want me to take it? Okay, you take it, <laughs> okay. and I'll jump in if you need help. Uh, so yeah, so our next show opens September 9th, Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Uh, it's an artist, Reese Ziemba, and he's showing new paintings, and we're incredibly excited about them. They're very unexpected, and um, I'll pass to Natalie. Oh, thank you so much. The name of the show? It's called No Thanks. And why? Caps lock. Why? Well, that's interesting. I think that there was, in his work, he ha- he likes to hold in suspension uh, these two opposing things, which is what is real and what is an illusion. And throughout all of our discussions together in preparation for the show, it just came out that you don't, um, how do I say this? Like you're you're not going one side or the other. It's sort of like, 
I'm stepping back. I'm letting you look at the work and I'm not going to tell you what to think or to feel about it, but it's just something for you to come up across on your own. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, and, and the paintings themselves, um, for the most part, they are still lives and landscapes, but he paints still lives that he assembles in his basement, um, detritus objects he's collected, things that would not feel like they go together. So skulls, mannequins, Tupperware, garbage. Um, but then in his paintings, he kind of places these heaps of items in a bucolic, beautiful landscape. And so there's this inherent contradiction in the imagery. And there's also an inherent contradiction in what it means which is something I think Reese also wants to step away from. Mm -hmm. So I think the no thanks is also this kind of vacating, um, almost negation of, of meaning. And, um, Mm -hmm. they're also incredibly fun. (laughs) They're wonderful paintings. Well, I, I saw one of them online and it, it had a surreal quality. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Definitely a surreal quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because added to that, uh, what we've just described, there's also, um, floating witches hats. There's uh, kind of eyeballs that shoot in from the sky. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You're getting me scared. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time for Halloween. Yeah, it is a little spooky. But yeah. uh, but no, it's they're they're fantastic. And I think. If anything, I think we're just always interested in work that we actually have a hard time describing, <laughs> because I think for us, it means something's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, so we're just really excited to show it to the public. And uh, we hope we hope, you know, people come. I hope so, too. Yeah. It looks wonderful. And looking at your past shows were also very interesting and inviting. I noticed that you have a very comprehensive website with lots of information from your beginning up to now and something called um, a log Kippen's log. Kippen's log. Yes. Kippen log. And thank you for the website plug. Yeah. K-I-P-N-Z dot com. Um, it takes no work at all. <laughs> but so we glad you saw it. Um, yeah. So the Kippen's log, um, you know, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, we're also understanding and figuring out what our aesthetic is and what we're doing. And, you know, I think the log has become a place for us to, you know, kind of chew on ideas a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, and, you know, there is inherently this question of, even though we shy away from it, but you know, it is an odd thing to bring an art gallery to a small town. And it's something that we're really excited to be doing. And we get asked all the time, why? And why? (laughs) You know, I set myself up for failure there. (laughs) We still don't have a really good answer, but it excites us. And I think if anything, that's what we're just keep being drawn to are things that excite us. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of the why, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit earlier that, we're both, we both happen to be the exact same age, 40. And well, now I'm 41. But we just felt like at this stage of life, it felt really good and important to start something new with the idea that it could grow. You know, so that was uh, the open endedness of it was what was great. And I guess you could just circle that back around to describing the artwork too. I mean, there's nothing to, um, there's nothing to explain explicit in terms of meaning necessarily or like a big sort of thought project to do with it even though there often is yeah and i think you know i we can get into this you know uh later on but you know i think we're also kind of excited in letting art relax a little bit you know i think meaning 
we both kind of come, you know, we both have our own backgrounds in the art world in different ways. And we both are makers and artists as well. And, you know, I think in a kind of uppercase art world, um, you know, there's a lot of claims about what art does and what it brings to people and what it's able to accomplish. And I, and again, not that I don't believe those things or I don't think about those things, but um, I think we've been interested in kind of the lowercase approach, you know, and, you know, showing rather than telling um, and allowing for playfulness and mm -hmm. really trying to play with the expectations of pretense and what someone thinks when they hear art and gallery and city and, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things. And I think it's really nice to try and make a terrain that feels playful and, you know, with an open hand and a generosity to it. Um, and, you know, I think part of that comes with having to let go about what we think it's doing. And, you know, so I think in a way we kind of choose to step back and just mm -hmm. let it do what it does. And maybe for some people it does nothing and that's fine. Um, so. Yeah. The, uh, I, I think many creators, whether it's music, art, film, it, it, the, the viewer is part of the story and the meaning and the intention it's it goes two ways mm -hmm. and you address a number of issues about the art world so to speak that can be very intimidating oh absolutely and and you know especially if you read a synopsis of somebody's work and you you have no idea what it's about you know you come mm -hmm. away i i like to call it art speak mm -hmm. but you know people speak art speak and they know the language but the average person like myself who loves art and enjoys art um it's always refreshing when i interview artists where their focus is a lot on the viewer it's mm -hmm. it's not just about themselves and the meaning of their art. Mm -hmm. I, that's always a refreshing quality for me. And it also helps you to feel inspired yourself while you're looking at it. I find that like we tend to gravitate towards what I would sort of call a generosity in someone's artwork so that they, when you look at it, it's not like you're being shot out of a clever joke or some kind of inside code language, but it's really something that gets you thinking, Oh, well I can do something. I yeah. like, maybe I want to try something like that. Mm -hmm. You know. I, I like that word generosity because yeah. the the art world, I see it in all its aspects as a generous gift, you know, whether it's music, again, film. Mm -hmm. And now what are you planning for the winter? Do you have shows in the winter? Following the Resemba show, we have one more, two more shows, actually. Uh, the next one after that is Jody Isaacson called Shh. And then the last show is a Quebecois painter that we're really excited about called Frederic Tiffet. And it's going to be, I mean, the title is still kind of up in the air, but that's going to be our last show ending in December. And then we actually just take January and February off to regroup and get our programming together for the next year. And also it's wintertime in Delaware County. Yes. Right. Like in Sullivan County. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for coming in. And would you give us your website again so folks can take a look? Absolutely. It is KIPNZ.com. And on Instagram, we are at Kippens Gallery. Thank you again. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. You are welcome. 
Okay, thank you, Valerie, for that report. Before we go, uh, let's check in with Patricio Rabio. I spoke to him uh, just a couple days ago about the this weekend. Tomorrow now, it's Catskill Talks happening here at Radio Catskill. I started off by uh, asking Patricio what the idea, the concept behind this whole series is and how it got started. The Catskill Talks series is a series of talks that, that we created to sort of really delve into what makes an artist tick and, and, and why do they create the work they, they want to create. I mean, I, I created this, this talk series about five years ago, originally from the Works for Art Alliance, and it was really for selfish reasons. As I moved up here from the, from the city, and I, when I was living in the city, I've always attended artist talks and gallery talks, and I just love hearing the process uh, of the artist. And when I moved up here uh, eight years ago, I didn't find a lot of it. Uh, around uh, uh, more in my area, uh, down in sort of the Foldbrook area. So that's the reason why I created it. So, um, you know, been going out here five years strong uh, to a little hiatus with the pandemic, but now I'm glad that we're, now we're back in Liberty and back at WJSF Radio Catskill. Um, so coming up in September, we have uh, the second to last talk because in October it will be the last talk. And so I guess we just talk about uh, September's talk, which will be uh, Jeffrey Hutchison. Who is a photographer? A, he just had a show at Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. He's a black and white photographer. He does landscapes. He does these beautiful, beautiful, striking uh, landscapes of like beaches and rock formations at these beaches and secluded places. Um, and it's really interesting to to see how he does his printing and how he goes about it because not only is he a photographer, he's also a businessman. He he created or opened up one of the um, few uh, public use, publicly used darkrooms in New York City. And I, I've used his darkroom when I left college. I studied photography in college, and, and when I left, I learned during the time of film and, and needed a darkroom when I left college. And, and lo and behold, there was a darkroom in the city that was that you could rent time in and rent, uh, and rent space in, and, and it was just like I had in college. And lo and behold, I just found out recently, I didn't know that Jeffrey Hudson owns, started that uh, that darkroom and it still runs it to this day and it's one of the premier darkrooms in New York City for photographers who shoot a film and want to process their own uh, prints and film um, so he's a very interesting person not only on the photography side because he's a photographer but also on the business side and how he um, really expanded the art and how he helped a lot of photographers in the city uh, during, the, the, during the 90s and 2000s especially during the transition between uh, film and, and, and digital uh, technology. And that's really cool because then not only are you creating a talk where, you know, just a, a general person in the public who has, uh, you know, any kind of interest in the arts and the role that they play in our community can learn more about what the artist is doing and why. Uh, but those people who are engaged in their own creative endeavors, whether it's in that artist field, uh, a related field or an unrelated field can get something out of it too, uh, hearing about all these various sides, whether it's the practical side, uh, or the, the business side or the professional side. Like there's, there's different things that different audiences can get out of the, the same talk. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and one of the good things that we're doing the talks now at Radio Catskills is that it's being recorded. Um, and it will be airing on a Sunday stage, uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, of course, we want all the folks to come live, to witness it live, because it's you know there's no, nothing, no, nothing beats live. Because not only will you will you meet the artist, uh, but the artist will be giving a presentation, uh, especially Jeffrey Hutchinson, who is a photographer. He will be giving a presentation 
before uh, sort of our Q&A starts. Um, and he'll be showcasing his work there, uh, maybe having some prints available uh, at, the, at the studio. Um, and, you know, really hear his journey before we delve into sort of like the background and where he started from. And, uh, you know, because everyone, everyone has a different story of how they got into photography and what led up to where he is now. So, Okay. And it's happening Saturday. Do you want to give people the details on the time? We mentioned the location is right here at our studios. They just come on over, right? Yep. It starts at 5 o'clock at the studios in uh, Liberty, uh, uh, Liberty Studio. That's 2758 State Route 52. But at 5 o'clock, all you have to do is come by, have a seat, open your mind, and enjoy some artwork, find out some behind the scenes. We're going to have uh, some refreshments, some cookies, some, 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 some drinks. Um, so it's always good for people to come and tend. But, uh, yeah, we'll be here this Saturday, and the show starts at, or should I say show, the talk starts at 5 o'clock. Um, so it'll be a great time to be held. I said, he's a fantastic artist, and these, these series really sort of help bring out exactly say why these artists do what they do. Patricio Rabayo, uh, organizer of the Catskill Talk Series, our own Patricio Rabayo here at Radio Catskill. I want to thank you for the series so far, and uh, good luck on Saturday's presentation. Thank you so much. Hope to see everyone there. Photographer Jeffrey Hutchinson will speak live at our community room right here on Route 52 in Liberty, New York, Radio Catskill's community room tomorrow at 5 p.m., part of the Catskill Talk series, free and open to the public. That's going to do it for the local edition tonight. This is Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Jeffersonville Bake Shop, offering breakfast and lunch to go or to stay, and coffee, Wi-Fi, and space for getting work done remotely. JeffersonvilleBakeShop.com From the Schwangunk Journal, serving the towns of Warwasing, Crawford, Mamakating, Rochester, Schwangunk, and everything in between. SchwangunkJournal.com And from listeners like you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania.